0: Lifeway Lifeway. Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network
1: G'day I'm Scott Sanders. I'm Derek Hanna. Welcome to the one thing Mark, why are you putting those sound effects on the background?
0: A podcast designer to give you one solid practical tip for Gospel Centre ministry every week. I just felt we needed something today just to sort of jazz it up. Oh, make it you, you know it. jazzier.
1: You brought it, baby.
0: Now we're talking about failure today. Can I, I just want to hear what was the biggest cricket failure that you had on the field? Because I always hear about the hundreds, I always hear about the big scores. Yeah. But tell us about you know the the, the, the time you've achieved a golden duck.
1: Uh, I, I no, never got a golden duck. One I once let uh, a teammate run onto the field with a meat pie and field a ball. He <laughs> he knows who he is. Uh, he's a church planner in Trinity in Adelaide. Um, it was embarrassing for everyone. It was embarrassing for. Everybody. I'm sure he would have done it well. It's quite uh, a skilled skilled uh, church climber. he didn't he didn't drop the meat pie that was Mike skill. Sams we know who you are yep
0: uh, <laughs> we're also proudly part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network for those listening overseas cricket it's a game a little bit like baseball only a lot better and a lot longer uh, check out cricket.com for more information <laughs> on that one but for now you've pressed play on episode number 45 of The One Thing Creating Space for Failure I've got to say, I do, I do like thinking about this topic because for me, it's, a, it's an intersection of a number of areas. I'll name two. First, it's the theological truth that I'm finite, imperfect, uh, and I'm not in charge of everything, which means failure is going to be with me until glory. So I need to learn now how to understand that in, in light of the gospel. Uh, and, in light of who I am as as, as a person as a, as a finite human being, but secondly it's also it 's also a, a developmental truth. The reality that we grow in failure you might have heard sort of fail fast you know that 's very much an entrepreneurial sort of saying, but we actually do improve in failure. we rarely start brilliant at something we 're not all as great at cricket as mm. Derek thinks he is and was, so if we 're going to be better at something, we have to have space to fail and here 's the point in. If we're going to develop those around us, we actually need to be uh, great at creating safe spaces to fail. Not with the intent to fail, but with the knowledge that it's okay to do so. So, uh, Derek, I don't want to ask the obvious question, have you ever failed? Because, yes, that's that, <laughs> you have. Um,
1: but are you a perfectionist? I am, actually. Yeah, I am a perfectionist. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it drives me nuts. Are you? Uh, I think I was. I think yeah, with four kids,
0: I'm, uh, I'm letting it go. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, Mark's shaking his head here, and, and I would And agree. with time, yeah, I'm yeah. just like, no, nah, 80%, I think I say it regularly, 80% is you, good enough. You do. You do say that. You're lower, <laughs> Mark's saying lower. But that means you get a lot more done. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you do. Uh, so, Derek, what does it look like when you don't create safe spaces to fail?
1: Yeah, I think we probably all know these when we see them. Uh, But it looks like hell. It really does. When you create communities where there is no space to fail, it looks awful for you personally and for others as well. So individually, if there's no room in your life for failure, uh, it's just an awful place to be. In in your church, if there's no room for failure, it's an awful place to be. It can look like there's a lot of activity going on, but there's very little execution because you never pull the trigger and do something. Uh, It looks like anxiety, that nagging feeling, that... Uh, Even though you might be doing stuff, you're consciously anxious about it because you never feel like it's good enough. Now, part of that might be okay. That drives you forward. um, But that anxiety can often rise to unhelpful levels. Um, And when there's no supposed to fail, whether it's in your own life um, or within the life of the church that you're leading, it's that constant attempt to control as many variables out there as you can. But the reality is still looming that you're never going to be able to do that. And then you have all the consequences that, that flow from that. So let me just give a little example of that. The The PowerPoint, the church
0: PowerPoint. I mean, that's a beautiful one for you, isn't it? There's there's fonts, there's pictures, <laughs> there's scale, there's just the technology. Yes. There's a, there are loads of opportunities to fail. Yeah. But
1: you want to get that right every week, don't you, as a church planner? Yeah, yeah you do. And the bulletins as well. That's probably where I noticed it more. Um, actually, the burdens when I I look at churches, uh, because you know there should never be more than two fonts on there, and if there is, there needs to be a very good reason for that. So, so where does this where does this heart spring from? Where does that you know
0: that anxiety? Uh, where about, does that desire about fonts in no, general? <laughs> no,
1: about fonts, mm.
0: but about not being able to create this safe space of Where do, where do you think that comes from?
1: Yeah, I look. I think they, as with nearly everything, it comes back to a heart issue. This stuff. Um, so my perfectionism. Um, is because I am. It can spring from a number of places. So for me, if you know, just between me and you, Scott, and yep. the three people who listen um, yep. to the podcast, um, <laughs> that that is for me my perfectionism about uh, not wanting to do things that uh, that other people will think are, are not very good. Mm. So it's actually about how other people perceive me. Uh, that's it's, so it's a perception problem in that. So it springs from the heart. Um, it uh, it springs it can spring as well for a lot of people uh, into when it's in a community context into wanting to be able to control things because they think they are better than others at doing things. it sounds like pr- I mean pride's at, pride's at the core of it. Absolutely, uh, that's where it comes from. So pride is there. Uh, so you know Keller always goes the two options, fear and pride, and maybe it just comes back to that. They are hard issues unless you diagnose up the top. Um, where your issues are coming from. Because sometimes they're real issues. The reason you take back control, there might be a good reason for that. But unless you've diagnosed the heart issues um, and how you tick and where you might be inclined to do, you'll make the wrong decision uh, around this and create spaces um, that denies people the ev- ever the opportunity to do something or critiques them so severely when they do fail.
0: How have you ministered to yourself in this?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, look, actually, it's been interesting. So working with you, more close to the last few years has been because you do that 80% thing, and um, I find that really confronting, because it's not my inclination to do that. Um, uh, but I recognize that sometimes I just need to let stuff go. Um, so I think I think having people around me that, um, uh, that push me to say, no, sometimes it's not about you, or how you perceive it, actually it's just we, we need to let it go, and you need to get it out there. So I think understanding where that stuff comes from in my heart, um, And then being able to understand, get it to a point where I am, I can ask people, actually, am I being realistic in what I think this is like? Am I being unrealistic in asking this person to do this in this way? Um, And am I being fair and godly in what I'm calling on people to do? Asking those people, questions of people I trust rather than just trusting my own instincts mm, in that mm. is really important. Having some objective measures uh, rather than just pandering to my perfectionism I think has been really helpful.
0: Well, I'm going I'm to pause you there. We want to open up uh, the toolbox into some resources that are going to actually help you think about this. Uh, just a couple of uh, quick tools that I think are helpful in just growing self-awareness in this area. The first one is uh, Emotional Intelligence 2.0, a book by Bradbury and Greaves. Uh, it's a helpful book. It's a secular book. What's helpful is it's got a really good tool. So you got to buy the book to get access to the tool, uh, but that's just a, another tool that can actually help you think into more how uh, how you operate uh, as a person. The second tool like that is the Gallup's Strengths Finder. So again, another multiple choice test that'll give you uh, five you know five sort of self awareness tools to understand you know who it is that you are and how you've been made up. And Derek, have you got one other resource for us that you would recommend?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, there's a great book for you, guy, by um, Jerry Bridges, called "Respectable Sins," um, that spoke about you know sins that we just kind of um, uh, gloss over, particularly for people in pastoral ministry. Um, I think that's really helpful for pushing into those areas where we think um, uh, we're being godly and it's gospel-driven, um, but actually it's um, just sin. Into different guys, I think that's really helpful.
0: Well, Derek, I want to I want to build this back into to the church that you're uh, that you're trying to grow, that you're trying to start. How do you actually build a culture and structures where people can develop, but also where we actually still get things done?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's good. Because like that last part of the question is really good because you do need to get stuff done. Things need to happen at some point. Um, so let me just give a few uh, bit of a framework. Um, actually, a guy named Pete Mayrick, who is at, uh, Centre for Ministry of Development in Sydney. Uh, he's got uh, a whole bit on delegation and on a, a pipe model. It's excellent. I uh, got a lot of time for. Him. He's great with this stuff. Um, you anyway, know, some of the things that that come out of that, and some extra things. First of all, you actually need to define goals of what you want. So, in a community context where you're asking someone to do something, you need to define what it is you want them to do. Goals broadly or, or narrowly, however it is, uh, for that task and for that person. So you might not artistic, articulate the goal for the person. You might just articulate the goal for the task to that person. But in your head, you're thinking, I actually want this person to grow in their ability to do X, Y, and Z. So I'm discipling, I'm maturing them. But you're articulating to them. What i really love you to do is pre- prepare a talk for this event that we're doing um, in order to you know share the gospel with young adults. So you, you need to define. So help, it helping
0: to define it in the in the broad here's where we here's where we're going as, as a whole church. But then yep. here's what it looks like for you, and here's the piece you play. That's yep. that's a really helpful when someone's, you know, just a a, a small part of of a you know a massive process yep. or a massive system.
1: Yep 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 absolutely. Um, you need to provide a framework for ha- that as well. Um, so what are the lines within which they work? Um, so often I think of you know, RAR in my head when I'm. I'm Handing a task over resources and authority and responsibility. How do I hand those things? How do I define those things at people? Uh, what are the boundaries within which they can work? work? Um, you need to be available for check-in. So as the prog- uh, process moves along, uh, you need to make sure that they can come to you at any time and ask any question about how the process is going. So there needs to be check-in points so they can ask any question, no matter what it is, and not feel stupid. Uh, and regular check-ins where you can ask them questions just to check that they're going all right. Uh,
0: so that that's really helpful to have those regular points in time where you can actually you know see how they're going and you can hear their progress. So you can jump in yep. and actually help ensure that it's it's not a failure or it's less of a failure. How how though are you dealing with with the things where it 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 can't not you know can't not fail? Like I'm thinking of the launch of a church plant. Yep. It's not like you're you're putting your MTS trainer in there and saying you've got the first talk you know in the, in the first week. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> How do you how do you create those opportunities where it is actually okay to uh, okay to fail? It, not, everything's not on the line. Um, it, this is not going to impact a whole bunch of people. Hmm. Um, it's going to be a great learning experience for them, and and it's also not going to completely you know steer the ship completely off course.
1: Yeah. Well, sometimes you know that in advance, or you should. Like a church plan, as an example, you know you don't hand over the talk to a student or MTS guy in the first week. You just don't do that. And you should know that in advance. So That is common sense. Uh, but sometimes you don't know those things until you do them, until it's too late. Um, but my comment would be um, on that first one, whereas things, you need to work out what the things are that you can't hand over. Now, sometimes we think they are, uh, they, that's a bigger list than they actually are. Mm. But you mm. don't hand over something which you shouldn't hand over. And if you do and it fails, it's not that person's fault. It's yours uh, so you need to work out the things you can hand over and the things you can't hand over. Um, yeah and you need to be willing to provide feedback. They need to know it needs to be small course corrections along the way. they can't get to the end and you say hey look I gave you this task um, I asked you how you were going you said it was going well um, but actually this is a complete disaster I didn't tell you along the way because I didn't want to make you feel dispirited but that was a complete disaster no it can't it's got to be feedback along the way um, and if they fail, if, they, if it turns out that it's not 100%, whatever failure looks like, if it doesn't quite hit the mark, if you've done those things along the way, you need to own that outcome as much as them. You can't you know, kind of make them walk the plank because you're with them on that. And part, and part of
0: owning that is, is sitting down and actually evaluating you know, what, what, and learning from that together yeah. as, as a team, yep. learning from it personally as well. Yep. So having that evaluation process. Now, you've talked a lot about, there's a, there's a lot in there just about the skills you need to have as a leader. I'm hearing you need to have good... Uh, you know, strong delegation skills. There's there's understanding how to sort of manage a, a project and a, and a plan. So mapping that out, you know, with other people and communicating that as well. And then there's that important regular ongoing work of just feedback. So th- there are a whole bunch of uh, resources out there to be thinking into those three areas in particular. Mm. Um, can I encourage you know your leaders who are listening out there to to be growing yourself, you know, in this as well. Mm-hmm. And we, we are not per- you know, we're not perfect. Uh, we are working towards this, but it, it's a really key, critical um, area to work on. Absolutely. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. So, Derek, what's the one thing
1: people should be taking away when it comes to creating a space for failure? Uh, we don't only want to get stuff done, we want to grow people. That is what we are growing people towards maturity, towards Christ likeness. And part of that is creating safe spaces where people can uh, try things perhaps fail, but in that process, be developed.
0: Now, that brings us to the end of the show. If you like what you heard, then we'd appreciate it if you take a moment to rate the show on iTunes, even leave a comment. You might even want to you know, shoot a quick link to a friend and say, hey, I really think this is uh, important for you. Maybe don't pick this one <laughs> as a podcast that you share. Look into our back catalogue uh,
1: because people might not take it the right way. We're doing one on uh, passive aggressiveness coming up, so maybe we can support <laughs> that one. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of The
0: One Thing. Uh, coming up in our next episode is starting a second service with Tim Clemens. Uh, I'm Scott Sanders, and can I encourage you to listen to one of our other podcasts from our, uh, from our network, uh, The Establish Podcast with Sam Rayner, Micah Fries and Josh King. Uh, they regularly talk about ministry issues for the established church. Uh, jump in and check out Establish I'm Scott Sanders. I'm Derek
1: Henner. Chat soon.